you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go, folks. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the big show. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. As always, thanks for coming by the Chris Voss Show. We couldn't do it without you guys. For 15 years, we've been bringing you the smartest people, the CEOs, the billionaires, the White House presidential advisors, the governors, the Congress members, the U.S. ambassadors, astronauts, Pulitzer Prize winners, all of the greatest minds who have sat down and written the stories of their life, their lessons, their journeys, their cathartic moments. They bring them to you in the distilled version of what we like to call the Chris Voss Show. And uh, there you are. So there's that. We have an amazing gentleman on the show. He's the author of the latest book called Last Rites. The fight to save the Seventh Amendment. I bet most of you don't know what the Seventh Amendment is, and I don't either. But we're going to find out, and that's why we do this damn show, so we can educate people with info entertainment. We have Jeffrey B. Simon on the show with us today. He is a regular legal commentator on the Law and Crime Network. He is one of the real lawyers behind the Netflix series Painkiller, starting Matthew Broderick. He has 30-plus years of fighting to protect consumer rights and giving a greater voice to those affected and the importance of the struggle. He hosts the Outside Council podcast series and just released this explosive new book, Last Rights, The Fight to Save the Seventh Amendment. Welcome to the show. Jeffrey, how are you? I am great, and thank you for having me. There you go. And I think we should get a plug in there. You, you're a real lawyer. How long have you been a lawyer? 31 years. 31 years. There you go. Congratulations. So uh, give us your dot-coms. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebs? Uh, at Jeffrey B. Simon. There you go. Yeah. And uh, give us a 30,000 overview. What's inside your new book? So the Seventh Amendment is the right to trial by jury in civil cases. And ah. most people don't know that every single American is guaranteed under the Seventh Amendment of the United States Constitution, the right to trial by jury in any dispute where mm-hmm. the amount in controversy is over $20. And that... It was so important as a bedrock of democracy and the formation of our union that it's in the original Bill of Rights. Mm. Yeah. And, and this is so important. Yeah. Well, because, you know, it, in, in jolly old England, d- disputes were decided by the crown or by nobility. Uh-huh. And our founders rejected that proposition. They wanted disputes to be decided by the people, people mm. who had something in common with the litigants the people who have the dispute. But unfortunately, that, 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 that sacred guarantee has been under corporate assault, and unfortunately, very successfully so, over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And my book, Last Rights, exposes how large corporations and the politicians they pay mm-hmm. are deliberately robbing every American consumer of their rights to hold reckless companies that hurt or cheat them accountable to the judgments of juries. Mm-hmm. And how we must push back to restore the rights of consumers, workers, and medical patients before we lose them forever. There you go. People don't realize how important these rights are. 
I, I started realizing how important a lot of these rights are to, you know, defend yourself in a court of law and call witnesses and have a jury of your peers, you know, with when I got a lot of speeding tickets to my BMW. And uh, some of them, you know, I, there was one case where a police officer claimed that he'd pace me for several miles before he pulled me over when really I had blasted by him and I was speeding. But I blasted by him and he, and he immediately lit up his lights. But he lied. And uh, so it was important for me to defend that. And his wife was in the car, and so there was a battle to get her as a witness. And that's when I realized how important, you know, being able to defend yourself in a court of law does and makes a difference. So tell us why these corporations are doing this. What's the form they're using? I think I know the term that they're using to go after uh, and create, is it arbitrage or mediation? I think they're trying to force as opposed to having a court battle. That's one way, and that's an astute question. So one way is through forced arbitration. Mm-hmm. In virtually every consumer purchase agreement that you or I or any of your listeners enter in, whether it's the purchase of a car, uh, an airline ticket, a computer, a cell phone, invariably somewhere in that agreement among the 5,000 words of small print is language that says in the event that there is a legal dispute between you and that big corporate seller, you mm-hmm. waive your right to trial by jury. Yeah. You can only arbitrate the case against them in front of basically retired judges or lawyers of their choosing. Mm-hmm. And obviously that is not what our founders had in mind, but unfortunately courts enforce those uh, mm-hmm. hidden provisions every day. There's been... And correct me if I'm wrong, but there's been, you know, we've had lots of authors on the show that have talked about this. There's been attack by, you know, billionaires and corporations to 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 dissolve or, or weaken most of these laws. I mean, you Citizens United was a huge one. You know, now you can just go out and buy your own SCOTUS judge. You just have to give them in a fucking RV and some trinkets. You know, it, the Citizens United was about buying a politician outright you know, basically, and some of the other different rulings that have gone along with it in the same sort of vein. And you you see, you know, we've had people on that have talked about, you know, centers for national policy and different things that their, their job in the billionaire class is to erode rights, workers' rights, you know, rights of of consumers because they want to do whatever they want to do. They, I mean, they really want to go back to polluting like they were in the seventies and, you know, turning lakes on fire. They really don't care. And they don't want any, any sort of part of it. And, and I think one of the issues too, and, and correct me if I'm wrong when I'm done here, but one of the issues too, is they can go to other countries, you know, that don't have the regulations we do for, you know, environment, for jobs, for unions, different things like that. And they love doing business there. And so I think their fantasy is that they can create the same sort of conditions here to create a desperate workforce, a desperate population that has no recourse. You never know when a doctor, even though most doctors are competent and Mm -hmm. caring, some are not, And you never know when a doctor is going to botch a procedure on you or someone you love that causes devastating and lifelong harm. And yet in uh, states across the country, including Texas, for example, where I live, there are arbitrary caps on the amount of money that any person can receive as compensation for medical malpractice for their pain and suffering. And so in the state of Texas, for example, 
the, the hard cap is $250,000. It doesn't matter how, how bad they botched the surgery or the procedure. It doesn't matter how severe the pain it is or how long it will last or how much emotional torment that it may cause you for the rest of your life, depending on the, you know, the gravity of the harm. It's $250,000. And my mm -hmm. argument is that's, of course, unconstitutional because a jury should be permitted to decide based on the individual circumstances of your case what the nature and degree of that harm is. But we have just let this happen. And my book is a siren call to push back. Oh, wow. There you go. There's a, there was a recent story that I saw, or I thought it was recent, where somebody had gone in, a woman had gone in to have some sort of a, some sort of a, you know, just a routine surgery or removal of something inside of her. And she came out and had her arms cut off, you know, and uh, you're just, I mean, just the horror of that. I just sat and went, oh my God. If that happened in Texas, you know, the mm -hmm. phantom pain, you know, that mm -hmm. people who lose limbs have for all mm -hmm. of their lives, it wouldn't matter whether jury thought that was worth $5 million or 10. It's only worth $250,000 maximum. Mm -hmm. So in your book, do you give people, uh, you, you try and educate, I imagine, people on why is this is important, what the difference makes. How can people try and, how can consumers fight back? Well, you know, legislators, whether they are so-called Republicans or Democrats or something else, it doesn't really tell you whether or not they are in the pocket of corporations that want to change the law to remove consumer protection and allow them to either sell defective products or pollute the environment or harm you in other ways with impunity. And so mm -hmm. the question that you should be asking yourself, no matter what your priorities are as a voter, they should include how does this candidate feel about the Seventh Amendment, the right to trial by jury, and will they stand up to corporations that want to change the law to further expose consumers, patients, and workers to harms without remedy? That's mm -hmm. issue one. Issue two is, is that in state courts, judges stand for election at least once in most states, mm -hmm. right? And there is information available about whether or not those judges are good or not so good on the issue of providing the litigants in their court with a fair and reasonable opportunity to have their case heard by a jury. Mm -hmm. right? You want to know where a lawmaker is on the issue of forced arbitration. Mm. Because forced arbitration in consumer agreements should be invalidated, period. Most people have no idea that when they bought their laptop, they waived a constitutional right when they did it. And it's interesting because we think about whatever constitutional right is most important to any particular person. Let's say it's the Second Amendment. What if just in the purchase or let's just say the lease agreement for an apartment, somewhere subtly in there, right, you failed to see as a renter that you waived the right to possess a gun in that apartment. Mm. And also subtly but expressly waived your right against unlawful search, search and seizure. And one day the police just knock on the door and they say, we're here to confiscate your gun and tell us where it is or we're going to toss your apartment to find it. And you say, what are you doing? I have a Second Amendment and Fourth Amendment against this activity. And they say, no, you don't you because, because you waived it. Are there apartments or houses that are doing that? Not ex not 
Not that I specifically am aware of, but the yeah. point remains the same. Okay. That's what we do with our Seventh Amendment every time we buy a product. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of that goes on. I'll see it or hear it or, you know, you, you agree to arbitrage or, or stuff. And, I mean, we owning companies we and making money, we got sued back and forth. We were either suing somebody or they were suing us. It's where the rich do battle on more. And, uh, you know, lots of shakedown lawsuits. <laughs> and and every now and then, you know, the judge would be like, okay, well, we're going to put you guys in mediation for a while to see if you can work it out. And Jesus, what a waste of time that seriously was. Like, I mean, it was usually some inept dude that, I don't know, had no backbone. And it was just, I mean, it was basically like, well, you two argue out and I'm just going to sit here. Uh, I don't know how most mediation is, but ours was always the worst. I was like, this is the dumbest fucking thing ever. And usually I'd launch out of it that way. They can be worthwhile or worthless, but there's mm -hmm. nothing like having a jury impaneled to decide oh, yeah. the case. That forces both sides to think about the strengths and the weaknesses of their case with a mm -hmm. candor and eminence like never before. Yeah, because you can win and lose on any given Sunday right. uh, or any given judge or court case. I've, I've had that. I've had, I've had where you win aspects of one court case and lose the aspects of another sure. in, this, in the same sort of you know, different aspects of the decision. And then it goes to appellate court and both sides get flipped. You're like, wait, we lost the thing we won and we won the <laughs> thing we lost. What the fuck? Well, um, and, and that happens sometimes when judges yeah. have contempt for the judgments of juries, which is what yeah. I'm talking about in, book, in the book. Ah, there you go too. So what, what are some ways that people can fight back? Do they need to read the fine print? They need to demand better from their politicians. Do they, do they actually need to give a shit about who they're electing? You know, you get to, yeah, People complain a lot about politicians, and I'm like, they're just a mirror of what an idiot society we have. <laughs> I mean, you guys are watching the Kardashians all day long, and you wonder why our politicians are stupid. Hello. Listen, this is a winnable issue. In March of 2022, the, the United States House of Representatives passed a bill that would invalidate these, you know, hidden forced arbitration provisions mm -hmm. in consumer and employment contracts installed mm -hmm. in the Senate. But the point is it, it got traction in the house. And if of course, you know, the Senate had been composed a bit differently at the time, it could have gotten traction there. The point mm -hmm. is it is doable politically. There is an even better example, which is that with enormous bipartisan support in 2021, Congress passed a bill, which Joe Biden signed into law, that made these contracts, uh, uh, these particular provisions within employment contracts, invalid in cases of sexual discrimination. So if a person is sexually assaulted or sexually discriminated against in the workplace, they don't have to arbitrate it. They can bring their case before a jury in the civil justice system. And of course, that's really important for two reasons. One, it, you know, validates, you know, <clears throat> their, their constitutional right to do such a thing. But secondly, arbitrations, unlike court proceedings, are secret. They're not public. We don't know. Really? That. That's why they like. Yeah, so if so, if you have an arbitration, <laughs> if you have a forced arbitration, this the sexual predator and his or her conduct remains confidential so that wow. they can offend again. Right. So it's a big darn deal. Um, mm. And we've gotten some traction politically. And you should hold your lawmakers and your candidates for office accountable. Where are you on the issue of forced arbitration? Will you oppose it? Yeah. 
Mr. The uh, that that ruling made me really angry. It, not, it wasn't ruling uh, the 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 bill for se- how sexual harassment can't be arbitrated or forced into mediation, whatever it was. Do I have that right? Yeah. That made me really angry because I was like, why are we singling out this one idea? Because I know who's behind the lobbyists on this. It's people who want to, you know, sue the fuck out of companies and make a bunch of money. And, and hey, fine. It's But, you know, there, there are rights there for people who are sexually harassed. Congratulations. But why why is this, like, why are we only doing this segment? Like, why not do everything else? You know what I, I mean? Agree. Uh, and I was like, I was like, this is bullshit. Like, why do we, oh, it's basically specialized treatment of a certain segment of attorneys that like shaking down companies for this stuff. And, and uh, that, that's really who the lobbyists were behind it. I'm sorry. That's just fucking how it was. But I, I was really angry about it. Cause I'm like, why not everything else? Why don't we just dissolve whatever this is going on? But now I've got more education with your book and what's going on. So people need to give more shit about their rights, basically. Exactly. I, I talk about in the book, you know, rights are like teeth. You should just tend to the ones you want to keep. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that we as voters, we fixate on protecting our pet constitutional rights. But my argument is every one of the Bill of Rights is just as important as any other. And in the case of the right to trial by jury, it's the basis upon which you can enforce your other rights if they are breached. Yeah. I mean, you. I, I've never been in a criminal situation, but you know, I, I recently uh, heard of Amanda Knox in France. If people remember the story of the murder right. and stuff like that, and I recently listened to Sam Harris do a breakdown on her thing, and and uh, I had I had some bias because I you know, I didn't know what the true facts were, but I just remember there being a scene about it. And I was like, I don't know, but listening to her rundown of the thing, and then there's a documentary now on it. You see the just the complete idiocy of not being able to have you know to an attorney or a trial your Miranda rights and stuff you do in a criminal setting. Just what a shit show it was, and how it, I mean it's changed the course of her life, and and she's always going to be wearing that that albatross with people assuming sure she's innocent or guilty. But you, you see how you know something like that you know there's a lot of people that have gone to jail that have been wrongly accused and they've been coerced into confessions and different things and you know people just don't realize how important these rights are until until they either lose them or you know their 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 life and freedom is on the line right you never know when a drunk driver is going to cross the median mm-hmm. and hit you or someone you love you never know when someone you thought you could trust in business cheats you or takes advantage <laughs> of you in ways you could have never imagined right and that is what the right to trial by jury is a safeguard against it provides mm-hmm. a remedy for when your legal rights have been violated in relation to how you've been harmed but There is a large segment of corporate America that does not want you to have those rights, and they have the resources that they can politically deploy to Mm -hmm. make those wish lists binding decrees. There you go. There you go. So what, what is your, uh, you know, I, I, you guys, I mean, a lot of lawyers fight this stuff. I mean, you guys fight stuff all the way to the Supreme Court. Has any of this been adjudicated? Is the Supreme Court ruled against the consumer for the most part? Yeah. The short answer is yes, that since the 1970s, virtually every iteration of the Supreme Court, whether it's quote unquote politically conservative or politically progressive, Mm -hmm. has determined that these arbitration agreements in consumer purchase 
contracts or in employment agreements or what have you are completely enforceable, no matter how one-sided, no matter how, you know, discreetly embedded in the agreement and so forth. And, you know, it is no longer a priority of the United States Supreme Court that any contract be actually mutually agreed upon and otherwise bargained for, at least in relation to compulsory arbitration, they will enforce them almost without exception. And that is really problematic because it is not only anti-consumer, it is anti-democratic because it is a revocation of the Seventh Amendment. Yeah, well... Somehow we need to get that fixed. <laughs> Which shows like yours, I appreciate yeah, you the opportunity. Definitely educate and inform. Does uh, is it is it mainly the are the legs that it stands on mainly that if you sign a contract waiving your rights, that's the real problem. Exactly that. The mm-hmm. notion is well, it's it's an agreement, and mm-hmm. we enforce the right to contract. The problem is, it's almost never an actual agreement. Arbitration is fine mm-hmm. if you're talking about. Two companies who know their business, have comparable bargaining power, and decide that in the event that there is a disagreement between them over the sale of wheat or the sale of oil or whatever it is, we're going to simply waive the right to trial by jury mutually. We're going to have a binding arbitration, no appeal. It's going to be secret. We're going to live with results. Fine. They should have every right to do that. Mm -hmm. It's very different when you are engaging in the purchase of a computer or a cell phone online, mm-hmm. and by the click of a button, you simply waive this right that you never saw. Most people never understood they were actually waiving it or what it means. Mm-hmm. And let's just assume the cell phone or the computer are defective, and they do this to 2 million people. Well, each of you may be only out of, depending on whether it's a cell phone, you know, 50 bucks or a computer, 500 bucks, whereas they made, as you might say, Chris, a shit ton of money for Mm -hmm. which they can never be held accountable, even though it's an ill-gotten gain, because the binding arbitration prevents it from ever happening. That is crazy. You know, I know that a lot of times we sign away a lot of stuff in the, uh, you know, we sign up for like social media, you know, no one ever reads the fine print. I think uh, South Park did a joke about how, you know, I think I think they did a uh, thing back then. If you if you bought an Apple phone, Steve Jobs got to turn you into some sort of device <laughs> or something. And you know, like no one reads the fine print, and right. usually it's so long and and intense, you're you're just like no one's going to read it. It's almost like an abuse. Like I get these I get these uh, emails all the time. They're like, hey, oh, me- hey, message from Capital One. In fact, I've been getting a lot of them at the beginning of this year. So if somebody's updating some, but I've been getting these, these messages that are like, Hey, we've updated our terms and services to make them more consumer friendly and easy to understand. And we just want you to know. And every time I get one of those, I'm just like, why does my butthole start to hurt right now? Like somebody's jamming a, I don't know. A very rusty whatever. Anyway, it's uh, that's what we call Fridays around here. Every um, single time an American opens a bank account, mm-hmm. it's a credit card, mm-hmm. buys a cell phone, they waive a constitutional right in that agreement. Wow. Think about that. And so your point is we don't all have the time and wherewithal to read it all. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Nor should we expect that we're waiving a constitutional right by yeah. failing to do so. Yeah. It's just a cell phone. Yeah. But that cell phone can be defective, right? Mm -hmm. And they can refuse to fix it. And they can do that two million times and nobody can do anything about it. 
And I imagine this impacts, you know, class action lawsuits. Class action lawsuits are usually, I mean, you, I'll let you say it because you can probably put in better words as to why it's important for class action lawsuits to be a thing. Yeah, so that's a really great point. Number one, these compulsory arbitration agreements that are very discreetly embedded in these long, you know, consumer purchase contracts routinely also cause the purchaser to waive the right to participate in a class action lawsuit. Hmm. And class action lawsuits are a really important part of our civil justice system because what they do is they allow people who have been harmed or cheated in a way that may be significant to them, but not for a lot of money, a $50 phone or what have you, Mm -hmm. to aggregate all of their cases together in Mm -hmm. a lawsuit against the company they allege cheated them. And that's really important because if you've been harmed or cheated out of 50 or 100 bucks, you can't find a lawyer to take that case, right? For all the obvious reasons, too expensive, (laughs) the recovery is too low. But if they do that to 2 million consumers, we want the ability to hold that company accountable for its ill-gotten gain in the civil justice system. And class actions provide the way to do that, where now it's 2 million times the 50 or $100, which is what they receive, which is that what they shouldn't have received. And that lawsuit is worth doing because the stakes are high and the costs are manageable. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, these arbitration agreements cause a waiver in each and every one of those instances of that, which means the company can get away with this big grab bag of ill-gotten gain. Wow. I mean, the putative damages of those are important as well, because they, they when they're there, when they do punish somebody, they make it very painful. They can be. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if in the instance where somebody, a company sells a defective product and a, a, a person is harmed, They can go to court if they haven't waived their right to trial by jury and try to hold that company accountable for its negligence, if any, Mm -hmm. in selling a defective product. However, if the evidence reveals that they weren't just negligent, they weren't just careless, they actually knew the product was defective and could cause great harm, and they disregarded it because they simply said, we don't care, we'll make more money anyway, and we'll deal with the consequences later. (laughs) Punitive damages exist to punish them for that misconduct, and we need them, but unfortunately, they too are often being dismantled by so-called tort reform. Wow. Is there there a... I mean, are, are these getting? Are they getting harder to pierce? You know, and be able to overthrow these? You know, these these things. You know, I don't know what. It, don't don't like with prenups. You have to. You know, you have to. If you're going to sign a contract for that, you have to have attorney available on both sides. And right. All that BS. Why? Maybe we should have the same thing. Where you have to, if you want to sign a contract for that phone or whatever, you need to have an attorney on your side. <laughs> well, I make the same argument, which is, of course, it's th- that's one of the reasons it's so proudly, so so profoundly unfair. So, you know, a, a big cellular phone company has an army of lawyers who figure out how to draft that contract in just such a way, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, mm-hmm. nor should you need one. <laughs> right? yeah. But unfortunately, the unfairness created in that dynamic by abuse is extreme. There you go. So what have we touched on that you want people to know that's inside the book? So as I say, in settings like this one, you know, you and I have this robust discussion about all these cutting edge issues and litigation and how to use the civil justice system to 
hold wrongdoers accountable and improve public health and consumer safety. But in boardrooms and some of America's largest companies, wealthy power brokers plan for how to most effectively dismantle the civil justice system and skew it for their own gain. Mm-hmm. My book explains to a broader audience how and why so-called tort reform is a corporate scam oh, that really? hurts the public and betrays democratic ideals. Mm-hmm. I remember, wasn't it George Bush, W. Bush, who made a statement once? He's like, we'd have to stop all these class action lawyers that are ruining everything or something. Wasn't that exactly. part of his or something? George W. Bush was the tort reformer in chief. Mm. What happened was, is he appreciated, as did his campaign strategist, Karl Rove, that there was an enormous amount of money available to him in corporate America for his run for president if he would champion their cause. And their cause was, we don't want to be held accountable in the civil justice system for the wrongs we do. Wow. And so in his State of the Union addresses, year after year, he went on and on about frivolous lawsuits, right, and the need to stop all these greedy lawyers, never mentioning two things. One, there's a right to trial by jury that you're looking to take away from every American. And the second is it's a lawsuit that made you president. Good point there. (laughs) There you go. You know, it's been interesting to me. We've had people on, like, uh, we've had people on there written at length about Center for National Policy, Betsy DeVos's organization. As a, it's an umbrella organization for 250 different other entities underneath it. And and them and, and different other billionaires and, and organizations like it, they have been fighting for 50 years to stack the court to get consumer-based things diluted, just everything diluted. So they basically they do whatever they want with employment, right. with jobs, with with rights. I think the for a long time the abortion issue was just kind of red herring. It was the only way they knew they could get people out from Nixon. They I mean they tried everything to get people out to vote, and it was the only thing that would go. So they ran with it, and it's they they ran they ran with it until the dog finally caught the car, and now they're really screwed. Yeah, but. But I mean, they got what they wanted. But they've they've been trying to stack the court for the longest of time. It has been it has been on their game to just get everything whittled down. You know, you'll see Elon complain about stuff. You know, he's he'll spout some crap about how he loves workers' rights. But then you see how he's fighting the people in Sweden, and they're going through a huge battle in Sweden over there with his union with it, with their unions and and his cars and stuff. And, you know, these guys, these guys just want to do whatever they want to do. They don't care. They don't want regulations. They don't want, they don't want to have to deal with the EPA. They don't have to deal with, they just want to be able to make as much money as they can. So I don't know they can be number one on the Forbes fortune 500, whatever Forbes, that sort of thing. So give us your final pitch out on people who buy the book, get to know you better, reach out for whatever you want them to reach out you for as we go out. Okay. The bottom line is, is that, My book describes how important your constitutional rights are in a a manner that you might not have ever thought of, that your right to trial by jury is the means by which you can enforce all the other rights that are important to you and more familiar to you. Mm -hmm. But that opposite that is a very powerful corporate force that is stripping you of that and then related rights every day. Mm-hmm. And that there is no right that is so entrenched in American life or inscribed in the Constitution so indelibly that it can't be taken from you. Wow. It can 
and somebody more powerful than you wants it to be because they find it expensive or inconvenient when you assert it. And so pay attention to two things. What is a candidate's position on the right to trial by jury, whether they are opposed to forced arbitration. And secondly, if you get the opportunity to serve on a jury, no matter how inconvenient it is for you, mm -hmm. do it. Do it for the good karma that when you need a jury, never thinking you would, there'll be one there for you. Yep. Yeah, it's it's so important. I remember, I remember. I think I've talked about this recently on the show, but I, I had a speeding ticket one time where I said the guy lied, and I was his wife was in the car, and he had claimed that he he he'd monitor my speed for several miles before he'd flipped his lights on, and he had it. And so I remember we were arguing over me calling his wife who'd been in the car because he was just a he was an undercover cop who worked for motor vehicles. He wasn't even like a real cop i suppose and uh, I, I guess you'd have to be to put, pull me over but so he pulled me over and lied and so i wanted her testimony and as we're arguing over it the judge ruled in my favor and i remember saying to her i remember her saying to me and it was funny how she said it she says chris i gotta tell you there was a time in your life when you probably had an innocent cute little face that people would believe you that time has since passed a very long shot something that effect. right but she says you know I really respect what you're doing, and I want people in the courtroom to understand that Chris is, Chris is activating his constitutional rights. Yeah. And this is important that he cares and he's doing this because more people need to care about this. They need to understand why this is important. So while I think he might not be as innocent as he portends to be, I'm going to grant him his, his emotion because he has the right to defend himself in a court of law. And that's when it hit me like a ton of bricks, how important that constitution is and those rights are. Well said. Oh, definitely. And after that, I just, anytime I got in a jam, I just pound the table on, <laughs> but I have a right to defend myself in a court of law. <laughs> and then finally, I just got, finally, I just started to calm me down on how I drove my BMW. But yeah, about <laughs> six tickets in, I was like, maybe the, I'm going to have to defend myself. So uh, this is really important. And I'm glad you're out educating people on this so that they can get involved in the thing. You know, I've often, I think there's a comedian who joked once that politicians need to have like, like NASCAR drivers where they have all their spot corporate sponsors stuck on their, on their outfits so that we know who owns them. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're with Pfizer. Okay. I can see <laughs> that they've got a very large patch. So they're on the side of your car. So they, you know, anyway, thank you for coming to the show, Jeffrey. We really appreciate it. It was a pleasure being with you, and I really thank you for what you're doing and giving me an opportunity to talk about things that I care about. There you go. Keep up the good work. Folks, order up the book wherever fine books are sold. Last Rights, The Fight to Save the Seventh Amendment. Read the Constitution, people. Damn it. I mean, <laughs> seriously, sit down and read it. After January 6th, I sat down and reread the Constitution. I keep a copy on my desk. Most of the great journalists and Pulitzer Prize we have on the show keep a copy of them at all times. It's, it is so invaluable, those rights that you have, the democracy you have, and it can be gone in an instant. And we've seen places like Hungary in 2020, it was gone in an instant, just quick. There's another country I can't remember that was gone at the same time. But we can lose these rights, and the people you vote for make all the differences. Jeffrey's talked here. Anyway, uh, 
uh, go to goodreads.com, forces Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, forces Chris Foss, Chris Foss one on the TikTokity, and all those great places on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.